Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. Hello, good afternoon and welcome everybody. Yes, it's Sam Talks Technology. It's a Monday, so very strange, normally on a Wednesday. But I'm standing in for Stasia today and I'm really pleased to say I have a special guest with me on today's show. Uh, it's Jamie Riddle. Hello, Jamie. Hi, Sam. Uh, Jamie has driven all the way over from Suffolk, so thank you very much for doing that. That's my pleasure. Uh, as always, we've gone to Cooper's and we've had a lovely little bit of lunch and had a little chinwag, so that's been fun. Do you enjoy Cooper's? Yeah, very cool. Very cool place. Good. Um, let me give you a bit of background on Jamie. Jamie's an entrepreneur. He's been in the industry since 1996. He started out in the advertising world, saw the early specs of what was the internet then, and went through a number of careers. He's had a successful exit, which we'll be talking about. He's had a number of other companies that he's been very successful with. And uh, Jamie, today, really, he's now working on helping other startups grow their businesses. Welcome to Marlow FM, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about today uh, BA's ICO fine, because that's very appropriate to Jamie's background and knowledge. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Facebook's Libra and, and where Facebook goes, because uh, Jamie, you and I first met when we were in uh, Adam Street. And uh, you were in favour of Facebook credits, and I, I was anti-Facebook credits. So that's how we first met. And here we are, full circle, talking about Libra. We are crazy, isn't it? It is. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about voice as well, some of the voice issues. Uh, of course, we've got some great tracks from Jamie to come along, and we also have a book of the week. So much to cram in, we better get cracking. Um, Jamie, let's start off with, uh, what do you do today? Uh, I have a company called Escaping Gravity. And the goal of Escaping Gravity is to help the next generation of startups. Having been an entrepreneur since 99, uh, I feel I've got enough experience to, to share some of the uh, uh, knocks and bruises and, and learnings that I've had over the years to help other people um, grow their business and, and uh, thrive. The concept of Escaping Gravity is one has to in order to succeed one has to uh, break past the the things that are going to hold them back uh, a rocket of course if it's going to get to space needs to get over gravity if you're going to launch a successful business you're going to have to get over whatever's holding you back what held me back to start with was i didn't have a good education i didn't have a an ivy league uh, university against my name um and i decided to set up a business in suffolk where they had to they had to cable my village so we had the internet, not fiber, but the internet. The internet. The internet, ADSL. I can see it now. We're bringing you the internet. <laughs> um, and, and there was many factors against us growing the business, but still um, we built a business and, and we succeeded. And therefore, for other people, there are going to be other challenges. The challenge may be that you want to launch a company, but you've still got to work the day job. So you're effectively doing two jobs or you're raising a young family or you don't have a good education or you just don't have the confidence. Everyone's got their own gravity. And my goal is to help them identify um, what's holding them back and see if we can get them past it. Brilliant. That's a really good give back to the community. Um, can you name some of the companies you're helping with already? There's a couple that you mentioned earlier to me. Yes, there is. Uh, so uh, you'll see me talking soon about a company called Stratbot Junior. Um, at its heart, Stratbot Junior is a, an intelligent research engine. Um, it's embedded into a working process and it's, it's really focused around research and, and, and researchers. Um, so if you think about um, the way I research stuff at the moment, um, I find it online, 
uh, if I like the article that I've scanned, I save it to Pocket. If I read it fully in Pocket and I like it, I then put it into Evernote. And then at some point I go, what was that article? Uh, what was it called? Where was it? What was it? Now you escalate that into um, working as a team. So if Sam and I were collaborating on something and we were sharing stuff, we might probably still send it on Messenger or send it on email or send it on WhatsApp. We might just have the link. And then we get to that point saying, what was that thing? The point of Stratbook Junior is to, is to take that and embed it into where we're spending more time. So Slack, for example. Um, so it's not a, a separate system. It's not um, going up against the, the noise of a commercial search engine, which has other objectives uh, apart from getting you the information. And building that to the point that in natural language, we can search, we can find, we can store, we can retrieve uh, insights. And I believe it has a really exciting opportunity to um, save people time uh, and let them focus much more on the insights rather than just the, the, the donkey work, if you like. And so how are you helping them in particular? I mean, are, are you just providing mentorship, chairmanship, board, NED? So my role is going to be uh, interim CPO, so chief product officer. Okay. Um, my vision is that we have a, a, a great CEO this is his idea. He's building a, a good C-suite team around him, um, a, a good CTO and technical team to build this thing. But actually, someone needs to to encapsulate this as a product. So it builds on my experience of Birdsong Analytics, built on my experience of marketing, putting it all together to actually help round off the product, uh, which in turn uh, becomes part of the marketing. So there's no point just having a CMO if you don't have a product. And a product is about the proposition, the pricing, the Returns, etc. The good old four Ps. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so my job is to help them uh, take this from an idea, a great idea, into reality um, at pace um, and um, get them launched. And are they Suffolk-based? No, they're in the heart of London, good old Shoreditch. Okay. No, I, so how did they come to you or you come to them? What's the tangential? Good, good old networking. Um, What's networking? <laughs> That stuff you go to a bar, but you drink non-alcoholic beer these days. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we, we uh, Dominic Pride, the founder, uh, I met um, at a networking do, and we just got talking. We talked about music, which is usually my starting point, um, and we got on to business and startups, and, and I talked through my experiences of, of growing uh, a few companies, and um, he liked what he heard and, and invited me to go and chat further and, and chat we did um, and then we got to the point that I liked his proposition um, he liked the cut of my jib and um, we started working together to see if we can grow this thing. And you're helping one other already as well? What's the other one? Yeah so there's, there's, there's two other notes at the moment. One of the things I want to do with Escaping Gravity is um, coach startups. Uh, people with great ideas, they don't necessarily need my hands-on experience, but they need someone, if for no other reason, than to say, you're doing a good job. You know, being an entrepreneur is, is very lonely sometimes. Yeah. It's very tough. Um, so, um, Uni Salad is uh, a new um, university uh, community and marketplace that uh, has evolved from uh, a very successful Facebook group into an app. Um, and Rebecca, the, the founder, had this vision to, to build a, a trusted community around universities where you can have a community, but also you can buy and sell stuff. Stuff being um, unwanted con uh, concert tickets or, or fresh as night tickets <coughs> through to books, through to um, who's got somewhere to rent, a room to rent. Um, and I'm helping her 
continue the vision of of, of growing this um, uh, app, uh, helping her understand some of the the, the considerations, uh, and just giving her some points of perspective. Uh, I, I I got involved because I thought it was a great idea. Um, she launched it into Cardiff in uh, early spring, and that's how I, I got to know about it. And I reached out and said, I think you're doing a great job. I think it's a great app. Um, do you need someone just to bounce ideas off, just to give additional perspective? And, and as I've said to, to her, as I say to everyone, sometimes it can just be someone to call up and say, do you know what, I'm not having a great day. Yeah. Although we've not had any of those calls yet. Good. And, and, and partly we've got daughters who are about the same age. Yours That's is right. at Cardiff, mine's at Nottingham. So, yeah, I'm going to be passing this by her and see yeah. what her thoughts are. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. And then, the, so the last thing I'm working on is, uh, is uh, an, a non-profit in Suffolk called Menta, M-E-N-T-A. Menta has been going for a long time, uh, since 1984, with the goal of helping businesses in Suffolk grow. So... Uh, pre-digital of course uh, they help with um, insights they run seminars and networking and become thought leaders and just really just embed themselves in the community to help them grow um, I'm joining them as a non-exec director to help the board uh, continue their excellent work um, with hopefully a, a, a thread from me more of digital um, it's not about tech it's about digital and digital is a thread that goes through every business now Yes, it does. I mean, every business is digital and any business who says it isn't is not going to be around long. Yes. So, okay, let's let's find out where this all this this wonderful career all started. Where where how far do you want to go back? I uh, will go back to uh about 9495. Okay. Um I I left school with a, a clutch of pretty uh, useless A-level results and went to uh, a fair college, it wasn't even a university, a fair college up in Edinburgh, um, and studied this thing called communications, which is a wonderful catch-all category uh, that I loved because it included movie studies and, and modern sociology and stuff. Someone showed me the internet, which in those days was was dial-up, telnet, um, and I still remember getting an email uh, through from outside from Japan saying we've been hit by an earthquake I'm okay because I've got the internet but other people don't so donate to the Red Cross and that just blew my mind uh, I'd been reading about the global village and you know, not quite this information superhighway just yet um, but that really inspired me to know more about the internet um, the first thing I ever found on the internet was the uh, Monty Python castle sketch from uh, uh, yes yes that one um, and, not uh, the life of Brian the it's, meaning uh, of life. Holy Grail. Holy Grail, Holy Grail. that was it. Indeed. Uh, Thank God somebody got it. <laughs> um, and that just inspired me. So I ended up learning more about the internet. Uh, I spent way too much money on my first computer. I got a Radio Rentals uh, higher purchase computer. Uh, the final cost was far exceeding the actual value of the machine, but I learned a lot. I broke it and put it back together. Um, and that resulted in, in getting my first job in London, uh, which was for uh, an ad agency. I came to fix the computers which back in those days was the early Macintoshes, so they needed a lot of fixing. Um, but they, I'd like to think I was also hired because I was the guy talking about the internet. And in late 96, uh, at the agency, the phone started ringing, early websites were calling saying, who's buying your, your advertising online? And everyone pointed at me because I was the internet guy. Um, and so I became one of the first people to buy advertising online. And that was late 96, early 97. 
did that for a few companies and then I got headhunted to set up the online department for another agency uh, and as we were talking about earlier back then we used to say that uh, life online was was kind of like cat years you know three months online was was a year experience and therefore with less than a year's real experience I had plenty um, to go and do that for another yeah. in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king absolutely absolutely so, so you are the internet guru the advertising expert yes um, and so I did that for two other companies so that became three agencies in London I set up online advertising departments for and um, we got to the end of 1999 um, I'd met a girl Catherine who uh, became my wife and she also became my business partner um, we got to the end of 99 and felt that the internet was really growing quicker than people were giving it credit for. We thought there was a great opportunity that wasn't being harnessed by agencies. So we decided to create our own advertising agency. So in December the 8th, 1999, I cut a five-hour commute to London down to a three-minute walk down the stairs to the back room um, and launched one of the first digital advertising agencies called Cheese, C-H-E-E-Z-E. -E. Who came up with that name? I think it was me. Yeah, so you, you left all the future naming to Catherine, I think, hopefully. That is correct, yes, pretty much, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, you set up this agency, how'd it go? Um, it went quite well to start with. Uh, December, we started to, to work with, we had a number of clients we, we picked up um, before we started. That was part of my escaping gravity, was that I was not allowed to leave my existing job until I had signed contracts. Um, so we started December 99, that was quite good. Mar, uh, early early 2000 was, was good, new millennium. I think it was around March that we had the dot-com collapse. So we suddenly looked at that and thought, eh, maybe we hadn't got that quite right. Um, but we were small enough to, to, to weather that storm. We were doing direct marketing in, in so much as it was accountable online advertising. And we could prove that it worked. So we started to grow the business. Uh, we ended up having quite a good specialism in travel advertising. Uh, things were rocking nicely until 9-11. Um, and we, we got a text to say, put on the TV. The internet went down as everyone jumped on the internet to find out what was going on. Um, and we watched the events unfold. Um, we packed up the office, told the team to go home. We grabbed our daughter and went home and, and watched the events unfold. Um, we thought for our business, selfishly, that, that was it travel business, online advertising, pff, it's gone. Um, of course, there were bigger concerns for, for other people, but we went in the next day, we, we called our clients and said, look, this has happened, you're going to get some knee-jerk reactions, but we think we'll be okay, stick with us, and, and if changes, we'll, we'll, we'll pull your advertising campaigns. Um, clients stayed with us, it still worked. Uh, and then that was us growing rapidly until... 2005, 2006, we were in the Sunday Times Tech Track 100 for have a profit growth uh, twice. Um, we'd built our own technology, which uh, qualified us as a tech business. Um, and uh, at that point, the phone started to ring to say, would you like to be bought? And we said, no, we're fast growing, we're independent, we're British, we don't need to be bought, but... If you've got an offer, then talk to us. Yes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> never say no. Never say no. <laughs> and um, my, my business partner, Catherine, who you'll hear a lot about, um, was prescient enough to feel a recession coming on, and we felt that um, we'd be better to, as part of a bigger uh, venture. Uh, and so in 2007, we sold the business to an aim-listed company um, and became part of something bigger. Um, 
I stayed for two years um, and then jumped out of that one with, with the grand thoughts of, of getting fit and playing the drums and at 30-something having a new life. Nice. So was that a, a, a sizable exit? Yeah, it was. We're not going to say. <laughs> okay. It's on, it's on Google somewhere. It's, it's, it's on a public Google. company, but, you know. Okay. We're, so we're being British about it. That's fine. Money. Dirty word. <laughs> Dirty word. Um, no, but you did well. So, okay, so you got out. That was happy days. You had a bit of time to look around. Yeah. You thought, hmm, what can we do next? What what, what came next then? Um, next be- uh, came what ultimately became Birdsong Analytics. Uh, uh, this, this vision of getting fit and learning to play the drums and a few other things ended up being writing for the next web uh and and boris has done well he sold that to yes ft recently yes nice one boris um it was it was the not, the, the, not boris from um, <laughs> not that boris. boris you know almost got through a show without it yes <laughs> <laughs> um as part of writing for that and a few other publications i was looking around for social media analytics and it, at that time it felt it fell in two categories there was either the free stuff where you signed in with your twitter account and you got some basic information or you had to go through the onboarding process and commit to a few hundred dollars a month and monthly fees and all that and i thought well surely there's some halfway house in that there is analytics available that are robust that are not free but they're not monthly fees it simply is a pay-as-you-go analytics platform couldn't find one, so I built one. Um, so we created a company called uh, DTT. and uh, Which stands for? Digital Tomorrow Today. Just thought I'd ask. Yeah, that, that was my name. Uh, so uh, <coughs> Catherine came up with Birdsong Analytics, which became our social media analytics company. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing. We, we were right in that there was a gap in the market for pay-as-you-go analytics. You didn't have to sign up for monthly fees. There was no commitments. You just had to pay for what you got. Um, and we started uh, marketing that um, to our uh, old network. So the first sale was someone I took out for lunch. The second sale was someone I took out for coffee. The third sale I never met. And within five years, we were selling from here to China, literally. Uh, we'd wake up in the morning. We'd have sales in, in Korea, in uh, Jordan, uh, North America. Um, and we got quite good at learning what different currency names were as uh, sales came in. And this was all online from a small team in Suffolk. Um, and we built it to the point that we were having sales in 120 countries. So, was your belief that, you know, this was going to be the next big exit and, and maybe Twitter would buy you or, you know... I mean, Datasift, Nick um, Halstead's company, basically didn't sell out to Twitter, but they sold the technology to Twitter. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, did you think, hmm, this is going great guns, things are on the right way up, uh, you know, all charts looking upwards? Um, yeah, last last year, uh, twenty. 18 was was set to be the big year we 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 bootstrapped the first business we we there took some investment uh took some of the money we made on the first sale put into the second one so we had no shareholders but last year was was the year that it was really going to grow um we were doing some uh great work with thousands of companies that neither of us have heard of um but they were all preying on their credit cards and we were starting to do work with with bigger companies like facebook and google ventures and University of Southern California and Harvard and all sorts of wonderful so, names. So, I mean, it was all going great guns. It was, it was. Um, at so start what of last... What stopped? <laughs> small matter of Cambridge Analytica. Came oh, um, okay. Um, Neighbours in stuff from Suffolk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what the reaction that Facebook came out with 
when that news broke was to pull access to uh, some of the data points that they'd made available. Those were the data points that we were using for our insights. So we were walking in in the morning to see ashen-faced techies saying we don't have access to that anymore. Um, and so we had to, to, to work out what we we're going to do. We had to do a bit of tacking to, to, to get back into the wind. Um, and um, we continued. We had some, some, some good customers and we had some good products. And then as the year progressed, um, we had visions of, of launching an insights product, which was much more about refining an insights than, than, than the simply mining the, the publicly available data. Um, and GDPR finally broke cover. And um, the language they used about social media profiles and usernames was too ambiguous for us to really build um, a future upon. Um, the risks, as we've seen, are, are, are potentially massive. The ICO can fine you X percent or up to four million pounds. Well, yeah, four percent of your turnover. Forget four million pounds. It's four yeah. percent of your turnover. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's timely because. Uh, What's it? The title of this piece that I'm reading is uh, GDPR fines take off today. Uh, BA face record 183 million fine for its data breach from last year. And that's only 1.5% of its 2017 revenues. Uh, so it could have been a lot higher. It could yeah. have been, you know, two yeah. or three times higher. Yeah. And uh, for, for, for us as a small business, um, well, we just looked at that and thought, well, we were never the wrong side of the law. We were possibly the wrong side of opinion, uh, which comes through. Um, and we just we took the decision that the, the risks moving forward weren't going to be matched by the rewards. Um, we had no debts. We had no shareholders. Um, we took the decision to, to close the business. And uh, we spent the last three months of 2018 bringing it to a close. It was a sensible way to do it. Yeah, looking at some of the other fines that have come out, uh, Sussex Hospital Trust got 350,000, Scottish Borders 250,000, Sony 250,000, Equifax 500,000, Facebook was the biggest until BA 500,000. I mean, proposed fine of 183 million is a quantum leap in fine levels yeah, yeah. I mean you know you, you're looking at their maximum fine could have been 20 uh, 20 million more than mm. it is yeah and and you know it's good that the, that this is protecting user data that's that's absolutely crucial uh, but for businesses dealing in in, in, in analytics that has now become data it, one has to to look at the risks versus the rewards but I mean, GDPR for me was what I called the great unsubscribe. Mm. I just got I got a million and two invites to subscribe or unsubscribe from various emails that I'd never remembered I was on. Right? But given that your data was it by permission that these people were in your database, or was it by the fact that you had access to Facebook's data that you didn't really feel that you had a hundred percent tangible? I think it's, it's worth clarifying. Facebook didn't allow you to get user data, so we never had Facebook data. Uh, our Facebook analytics was all about pages and, and engagement and content. It was more about the, the Twitter analysis. And uh, you, could, you could hold on, you could cache data from Twitter, so we didn't hold it as such. We just cached the data. But uh, if people wanted to analyze followers and that type of thing, they could come and use our service or competitor services. Um, and... There was a GDPR statement that you as a Twitter user signed to say my data is in the public domain. However, what people, like you said, you don't remember signing up for that. You don't remember agreeing to it. That's different to you did or you didn't. Um, and therefore, we had to 
Consider I don't the, remember signing up to half the things I'm on. Yeah. Um, now, for us, that's not our issue in so much as you're on Twitter, you must have agreed to it. We haven't got that without you, but at the same time, we would have had to put processes in place to say if you're on the database because we've cached your data, then you want to come out and everything else. So, you know, we'll always be, always play by the law. Okay, we're going to play your first track out. What's your first track? Uh, it should be Changes by Bowie. <laughs> uh, why, why Changes? Um, in 2007, when we were just going through the, the, the time of selling the company, I'd, I'd bought Bowie's back catalogue on CD, and I used to take my daughter to school every day, and we used to play Hunky Dory. First track on Hunky Dory is Changes, and it kind of became sort of emblematic of, of what I was going through. Now, a few years later, after I'd come out of the business, I went to a meeting uh, in a pub, as you do, and it was to talk about the change for another project uh, as a, the end of another chapter, and what was playing on the radio changes. So here we go, a little bit of David Bauer. When we come back, we're going to be listening to, uh, well, I say we're listening to, we're going to be talking about what you did next, what comes after that. We also have a, a lot of chat today that I want to go through about Amazon, Facebook, and also Alexa. Awesome. You're listening to Jamie Riddle here with Sam Sethi on Marlow FM. I don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse how the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strange changes Don't wanna be a richer man Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strange changes It's gonna have to be a different man Sides, but never leave the stream of warm and permanent sand So the days float through my eyes But still the days seem the same And these children that you spit on as they Try to change their worlds Are immune to your consultations They're quite aware of what they're going through
Radio changes sadly miss the great David Bowie. Enjoy that one. Loved it. Yeah, I did as well. I was lucky enough to see Mr. Weller yesterday. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, he was brilliant at uh, at Greenwich Outdoors. Very nice venue for it. Just um, small enough, about three thousand people. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I worry. Yeah, another great singer. You know, he's getting on and. So I thought, you know, got to take the chance to see him when you can, really. It's, it's, it is that, you know, you've got to enjoy them while you can. Now, you're a massive music fan, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got a blog called Wine, Travel and Song. That's right, yeah. And that's... Covers, that's... covers my three passions. <laughs> what, at the same time? Yeah, if possible, yeah. And, and what was the raison d'etre behind that? I mean, why did you start... What You know, most people blog, I get it, or, or I say most people, most techies tend yeah. to dip into blogging, but why did you start that one? What was he thinking? I love music so much. And I can't play a note. Uh, so I thought I'd like Can you to sing. sing. No. Oh, okay. In the shower, maybe, but no. <laughs> uh, the goal is to turn people on to music that I like or places that I love or food that I've tried, you know, trying to share that experience. Yeah. An experience shared is so much greater. Um, and whilst I, I share most of my experiences with my wonderful wife and daughter, it's sometimes nice to be able to say, look, do you know what? There's an amazing restaurant you need to try. Or that concert, Billy Joel, when we it was amazing. Or this, um, this, uh, this bottle of rosé is an absolute winner and it's, it's Croatian, it's not what you'd think. It's just trying to share my passion. Mm. Um, and if I can write and build an audience at the same time, then then great. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got a wine importing business. I do travel, wine travel for friends and people we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm in that same boat as you. And I do a music show uh, here on Mono FM. So we're very similar in that sense. We are, we are indeed. Um, now, a couple of things I want to have a look forward. So, really, obviously, you've got Escape Gravity going on now. Yeah. But, you know, both of us look at technology and look at where, where things are going. And as yeah. I said earlier on, you and I met when Facebook first launched Facebook credits, really. I mean, yeah, they, were, they yeah. were going to be the virtual currency. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, recently they've launched Facebook Libra. Yes. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think Facebook Libra is going to be very interesting. I think um, I can't claim to really understand the technology behind it, but certainly the principle of a currency that works across Facebook and I guess they'll hope other channels um, is something that's going to be quite powerful. If you if you look at the the wider remit of what Facebook is doing, I, I personally believe that, that Facebook may rebrand like uh, Google, do an alphabet effectively, and um, focus on on their wider business proposition, which is they've got uh, they've got Messenger, they've got WhatsApp, they've got. Um, Instagram, which might have its own messaging app. They've also got this... Well, they're going to combine all three into one, the messaging back-end. Are they? Combine. Okay. Uh, They're going to take the security elements of WhatsApp and try and build that into Messenger and Instagram and make it a singular. Now, people think there's two reasons. One is the security element, but the other one is to stop Facebook being broken up by the DOJ when they go, oh, it's all integrated, it's too hard to break up. Uh, that's interesting. Well, hopefully that works because what we saw last week when Facebook went down is that it brought everything down. But the the, the key point here is that Facebook is is also trying to get the internet to remote areas. So I can't remember what the project is, but they're trying micro lights and various things that beam uh, internet down to the ground. If they can open up some uh, some areas in the world where there's no internet or very little internet, Suffolk. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's another bugbear. Don't even start on Suffolk broadband. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you can go to the corner of the earth and get a better broadband than Suffolk. But, uh, well, I'll have a word with Zuck when I see him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, but, just fly it over Suffolk, that'd be yeah. great. So if they can beam the internet down, and if half the planet's using WhatsApp anyway, it's a logical extension to say there is a Facebook currency that can be traded um, across the internet, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, that type of thing. So, so to me, the play is is logical, um, and it kind of goes back to where where you and I started, which was which is the value of, of credits. Um, I think we ended up talking about Zynga's Farmville uh, and their virtual tractors. Um, my favourite stat, which is probably wrong now, but it was you could buy on Farmville, which was a, a farming game where you you know you could plant crops and never come got back. it no never ever got why people would sit there and do that but anyway oh, that's because you can build crops and stuff yeah. <laughs> but they used to sell to, to get your crops to grow faster you could buy virtual tractors at a dollar a pop and they sell fifty thousand dollars uh, fifty thousand tractors in a day they're not buying tractors they're not selling tractors it's just a it's a unit yeah. that's, that's good money they're buying pixels yeah, yeah, yeah so if facebook can do that at writ large with with a currency then that's going to be... Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's have a look at this. Um, there's a couple of things. One, Libra is a pseudo-cryptocurrency, and I mean pseudo because Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, um, and the fluctuation in the value of Bitcoin means that it's not tied to a fiat currency like the dollar or the pound or the yen. So it's basically a place to store value, got like gold, but it's a digital value. And it just goes all over the place, right? And it's totally unstable. So Facebook turned around and said, well, mm, that's not going to work because, you know, you buy your virtual, no one even forget virtual, you buy your pizza with a Libra Hmm. and that value could be £14 and next week it's £4,000 and you're not going to be too happy doing that. Um, So they've pegged it to a basket of currencies, so that should give it some stability. It's not anonymous, so you can't buy it for... I mean, people are talking about it, it'll be used for fraud and all sorts of other things and money laundering and whatever. But I think if they get it right, um, they're trying to tie it to a physical identity and Mm. create a global identity mechanism, so that's a second potential positive. The big bugbear is governments don't like it because... It's fairly much the country of Facebook, which has got 2 billion people, which is larger than most countries in many places of the world, with a GDP larger than most countries, coming up with their own currency. And they're not the only players in Libra. Libra is a consortium. So you've got Uber, uh, you've got eBay, you've got a whole bunch of PayPal, big, big Mm -hmm. players who are part of it. Um, I'm excited by the potential of it for one reason more than any other and it's micropayments yeah and that's going back to what you said about facebook credits and buying virtual yeah. goods i think micropayments is the well for me the big big uh, potential benefit where your blog wine travel song i can go today i can just uh, uh, you know unblock my ad blocker and allow the ad to play i can give you like medium a round of applause and say well done but the money's actually gone back to medium not to you because i've had to buy the subscription um or under a libra coin system i can transfer a libra to you or numbers of libra i might be even generous and give you a few more too kind (laughs) but but if we if we extend that to you know there was big stuff what five ten years ago about micro loans 
So you could you could get twenty, do a micro loan of twenty pounds to uh, some some startup in Africa um, who's going to do something, and and you feel good about yourself. It's only twenty quid. Extend that to the whole concept, and and it opens up not just the country with internet access. It, it opens up uh, potential transactions and, and retail and, and real income. Um, so I'm I'm. I too am excited about it. Um, I thought it was interesting that the, I think it was the US government, wrote to Facebook and said, please sort of cease and desist because we don't really know what you're doing. Um, and um, what we saw last year with, uh, with the hearings after Cambridge Analytica was that Facebook didn't, um, the US government didn't really understand what Facebook did. Um, so how can they control Libra will be an interesting thing. Exactly. And it, uh, I... I, I do think there are younger politicians around, like AOC and mm-hmm. Beto, who will do. But you're right; the current current crop of ninety uh, year old white men have no idea what they're doing. No. Um, but if you if you assume that what Facebook's trying to do, if, if you take it logically, what you'd said, you know, they're going to. I think you're saying they might rename, like Google, rename to Alphabet. They might. That's, I mean, that's my hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we all have to have one. I mean, so why not? Why not go with yours? Um, and it's potentially, I think, a copy of the WeChat um, strategy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, strangely, I bought a pair of boots on uh, Paul Smith this morning, and uh, currency is acceptable. Amazon Pay, WeChat, mm. Alipay. Yeah, I've never seen UK sites taking Alipay and WeChat Pay and Union as well, the other Chinese yeah. one. And I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Well, we were playing with this last year. Stripe started to do good. Uh, Stripe is an e-commerce platform that uh, handles a lot of credit card transactions. They started to do some good stuff where you could effectively bolt in uh, WePay or Alipay, um, which to me was, was, was pretty cool. Um, one of our challenges when we had Bertong Analytics was, was, was global sales. Was, we, we were pegged to the dollar, but equally, if we wanted to get into some of these other markets, we would need to have had an Alipay or a, or a WeChat pay. Um, and um, something like Stripe might have done that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that open up and, and as businesses become more global on the web, they're going to need to, to do that. Um, so why not Facebook pay? Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I do, do wonder... Wh- Who's going to be the first to do a Libra coin transaction? Mm. I mean, I, I certainly think if you're a startup now and you can get onto the, the developer program and start to play with the SDKs that are around, yeah. and I think that's a really cool space to get into right now because I think uh, for many, many years, you and I have probably been talking about or at least listening to people talk about attention yeah, and the value of attention and, you know, and... People are going. Yes, people are going to pay for your attention. Well, it's never happened. No, there's there's been trials and beans and various other things. Often started around Charlie Cohen. Yeah. yeah uh, Where is he today? Uh, uh, don't know. Actually, I, 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 I do generally... actually, but that's another uh, conversation. Okay. Um, Everyone else knows where Charlie is, but I don't. <laughs> um, Charlie will have to tell you, or Drew <clears throat> okay. will tell you. Yes. Um, yeah, it, paying for attention has been tried before with beans and, and other forms of, of virtual currency um collapse by medium i think is a good uh halfway house that 38 cents i make every week from my articles is going a long way um but what yeah retirement plans how are they <laughs> yeah, going yeah not so well um so there is potential there, there is potential and i think 
micropayments are great opportunities to uh, to grow businesses. You know, not every business has to turn over billions to become a success. Um, it's yeah, all you don't have to be a unicorn. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but but you hear a lot about people chasing unicorns. So, well, there's only a handful out there, so don't bother. Focus on your business and your on your area because there's enough growth potential there. Yeah. Um, and so, micropayments is is got to be one of the ways. And if Facebook is the one that opens it up, look, Facebook's got the the scale, um, which is in part why it's so threatening or, or conceived to be threatening. Um, we haven't yet seen any currency from from Google, who would be the next obvious player. Amazon's or got Amazon. Well, Amazon's got Amazon. Pay, they've got the the payment gateway, so it's not a, a massive leap of imagination to see other currencies follow. Maybe they're smart and they're letting Facebook take the flak first and then coming out after. Oh, now wouldn't that be nice? To <laughs> let, that, let that happen. Now, I think um, the other thing that scares me a little bit about the US. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren is very much gung-ho about breaking up all of these yes. companies. And uh, Scott Galloway, who, who's somebody I actually really admire, who's a um, uh, social commentator on technology, um, both of them are in the break them up, break them up, break them up, you know. And my worry is China won't break up Alipay and, and Alibaba yeah. and WeChat and Tencent and all the other companies that will come behind them. And, and just as I said, you know, we're beginning to see in the West um, the use of Alipay and WeChat. And, uh, you know, the original synopsis of that was because Chinese people are now travelling uh, and they want to, you know, spend, well, I think in the UK they spent over a billion dollars in the UK last year alone. Yeah. On, but they bought everything on their credit cards and that went back through their instant messenger through WeChat, you know. Um, so I think... I worry that we could end up killing the fatted calves in the West and the East just comes in and has their lunch. Yeah, totally. But you can see it all the way through that one of the arguments against GDPR last year was it made Britain um, harder to to deal with, with, with the global. You know, look how many websites you now go to. They say, sorry, can't can't show you the website because of, because of GDPR. Um, equally, in, in this country, we talked to, at Cooper's over lunch about... Um, uh, the merger they've got, they've got uh, kiboshed the Sainsbury's and Asda merger. Well, and the Amazon and delivery one that looks like it's been kiboshed as well. And it just, it, then they're not looking at the same thing. They're, look, they're still looking in their backyard when actually in, in this country you need Asda, let's ignore the fact it's an American owned company right now, uh, and Sainsbury's together to combat the other big threat, which is Amazon. Yes. You know, you drive down the M M5 from uh, down towards Bristol, there's a hulking great Amazon warehouse. It's huge. And that's not the only one in the country. Yet the lawmakers here are still worried about the local in the, you know, the national sense. Uh, and as you say, America then might say, well, let's try and cap Facebook's dominance. Whilst China's going to say... We're no. not, not going to do that. It's part of their Silk Road yeah. strategy. Yeah, Silk yeah, Road yeah. 2.0 yeah. is about extending the Chinese um, culture yeah. and reach through non-combative mechanisms. You know, in Africa, they're doing a great job. We'll build you a road, we'll build you a bridge, 
you just do what we want. Yeah. And Africa's rolling over and taking it. Yeah. And oh, well, then they say, we'll build you a port, and then when you can't keep up the loans, we'll take over the port. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah. then half the US ports are, ports are owned by the du- Dubai Port Authority, so, you know, it yeah. ever thus. So, okay, so I think Libra is a really interesting currency. Um, I think uh, Amazon, I think, will be one of the others who get into this market. Yeah. Um, now, I, I've always said um, advertising online, you know, the big, you started out in advertising online. Yeah. You know, one of the big things was, oh, yes, uh, now that it's digital, we'll know exactly who we're reaching, we'll be personalised, all, all be those good things. So that old adage of, our, you know, 50% of my advertising is wasted, mm. I just don't know which 50% mm. is wasted. Um, I've always said, though, that the future of online advertising is actually people won't get adverts because they can't afford it. Yeah. So why sell an advert to a person who can't actually afford it? Like... Most of the time, you get three types of advert. One is for, a, let, let's say, a very expensive item that you're never going to afford. Let's, I won't say Aston Martin, but let's say it was that. I'm sure you can. Um, second one is you get retargeted ads. You've already bought the thing. Yeah. Uh, and the third one is just something that isn't irrelevant to you just because they're guessing on anonymous data. Oh, he's over 52. Sell him a Viagra ad. Now, all those ads are a total waste. Yeah. Uh, um, so I've always said that in the future, actually, we won't have ads. Um only really specific ads when they they know your credit rating as an example and then they go oh okay well you know jamie can clearly afford this so we'll we'll send him an ad do you think that is what's going to happen or am i just making this up in my head (laughs) which is often the case by the way no i I think i think you're right i mean you've talked before about the future of voice and 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 the voice response doesn't lend itself to advertising. But if you think about what Amazon's been trying for a while, um, which is sometimes they're going to start sending you stuff on the basis that you might like it. and They've already got that in the US, haven't yeah. they? So, you know, if, if they get to the point they send you stuff and you think, well, I can't be bothered to return it, it it's almost like the book clubs 20 years ago where you signed up unknowingly, um, or possibly knowingly, um, and they'd send you a book every month. And if you didn't like it, you'd have to package it up and take it to the post office and you'd get to the point saying, do you know what, it's just easier to keep it, even though I didn't need another Gary Rhodes cookbook, um, which still sits on the shelf. Um, so they might do that. So it's kind of, there has to be um, more evolved ways to uh, engage the customer and to promote the, the uh, service or product. Product is easier because you can just send the stuff, um, but it has to, has to evolve. Um, I think every couple of years we, we hear that, that online advertising in particular is dead um, because someone's come up with a cookie cutter or a cookie ad block or everything. Online advertising continues to grow. Um, there are still channels to advertise, um, but success has to come through evolution. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I use an ad blocker, both on my mobile and on my uh, laptop. It's pretty effective. I don't see most ads, actually, to be honest with you, and I don't yeah. miss much. Um, I do get the occasional uh, ad pop through that's native ads that's they're allowed to go past um, ad blockers um but i think amazon is uh growing its ad network pretty extensively yeah um that'll be the next big player i think in this space oh totally i mean the 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 mark is already saying is that the ad business is going to be worth a couple of billion in its own rights and if you think about the platforms that it can advertise on so um, if i'm going to watch amazon prime tv i'm going to watch it on a kindle fire stick they own the whole gateway to um, my user experience. Therefore, they can control the type of message that comes through. Um, and if I think back, 
I'm right in saying that Amazon has also bought a router company. Um, yes, Eero. Uh, Eero. So, which we can't get in the UK. Okay, not yet. So they own soup to nuts, if you like, your internet experience. This is this is what I was really excited about when FreeServe launched back in the day. It was a FreeServe said instead of being the portal that you go to once you've dialed up with your modem, yeah. if you dial up through the free FreeServe, which is free, then they control the flow of traffic. That's, in my opinion, why Twitter bought TweetTech, because TweetTech had 8% of the Twitter audience. Um, the high-end percent as well. Yeah. As in the... The, the, the active, active users, yeah. 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 Um, and therefore, this, this is the same. Amazon can control the user experience. Apple's trying to do the same with its ecosystem. Um, and, and Google, to a certain extent, with, with its products. is Part of the, 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 the product strategy is not just about use of products. It's access to the knowledge of the person um, or the user, but also the, the controlling their, their, their access to the internet or the services they want and therefore what messages they can slip in. Right. So you are an advocate for more privacy or less privacy? Is privacy dead, as Scott McNeely said, or do you believe there should be more privacy? Um, I don't think privacy is dead. I think there is quite a good deal of privacy. The online tracking, that type of stuff, knows... I will have a code somewhere on these on these networks that knows I'm X, Y, and Z and they're going to show ads, but they don't necessarily know it's me personally. Um, if someone knocks on my door and says something to me that is a result of what I've done online, then maybe I might advocate for privacy is dead. But I don't, I don't think it's dead. I think people don't understand what they're sharing. One of the big issues with, with Cambridge Analytica, apart from Analytica... Well, it was a wake-up call, wasn't it? It was, but half of the stuff... I know you'll argue some of the dark stuff, but half the stuff was was people filling out f- filling out forms. What city you know? What city do you like? And what's your favourite thing? And you still see it. Um, you you see these posts on Facebook from some radio station in Lebanon that none of us have heard of, and people responding saying, "Yeah, June is my birthday." Come on, people, wake up! You're, you're well, handing across this data. Well, it was that, but there was also all those stupid quizzes that people were filling in. Oh, big time. And then get it. and what was more annoying was people would fill them in and they would give my data away because yeah. it was a friend of a friend access. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm I'm on the side of well, okay, we, we're going to be talking about why I think Google, as a search engine, may be struggling. To say it's dead would be stupid because that's <laughs> yeah, that would be just just stupid. Um, but I think it's going to have a massive challenge. Yeah. Um, I think you've, we've talked about Facebook's going to have. A massive challenge. I think social media has hit the top of its uh, growth in yeah. many ways in terms of, certainly for me, I'm less active on, on social media. In, in the early days, I was, I was all over Twitter. I was all mm. over, you know, uh, other social networks like Facebook, much more than I am today. Some people say it's too much still, but that's not the point. It's a matter um, of taste, Sam. Yes. Um, and then the, the, the other side of it, though, is we're going to be talking about um, why voice... Because you wrote an article recently that um, voice privacy, which is why I was wondering whether where you sit on the voice, because they're listening to all our conversations, is what they said and what you were writing about. Yeah, again, it's... it's um, We've seen um, Facebook come out and say, yeah, they do occasionally sample some of our uh, audio you mean transcripts. Amazon. Sorry, thank you. Amazon. Yep. Uh, we don't know about Facebook. Well, no, Facebook's <laughs> got a Facebook portal, so you never yeah. know. Um, and, and that, of course, quickly translates into uh, uh, an article saying Amazon is listening to us. Well, yeah, they are. It's, it's kind of the same way as... 
uh, Gmail is reading your emails. Gmail is not reading my emails. They are putting the text of my email through a machine, which could be quite smart with machine learning and sentiment analysis and other stuff, to sell me an ad. That's the trade-off between uh, buying, uh, getting a free service and, and not. Um, but uh, so that does that mean privacy is dead? No, they're just listening to what I've got. Um, I'm not too worried that if, if Alexa is listening to my conversations, because they're pretty droll, um, it might be saying that I've got questionable music taste, but that's about it. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about it. I also know from experience in a, in a very small scale how hard it is to 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 sift through large amounts of data if you take that to the scale that amazon is doing for example that's a lot of data they don't have that many people sitting there listening to conversations so it's a drop in a tiny tiny bucket in the ocean um of data but it's it's it is there i think the biggest issue is actually uh, people's understanding of it um, and that's why I wrote the article. The article was about the listening backlash, is that we're going to have the rise of these these smart objects that listen to us, not just our personal assistants, but there might be other um, technologies that come out, maybe through 5G, maybe through other things that are listening listening to stuff, whether that's conversations or music. For our benefit. For our benefit. <clears throat> um, and, and we're going to see a Cambridge Analytica-type furore in a few years' time where where this actually blows up onto the headlines of, of major newspapers and then and then echo to say this is people are listening to us. I, I, look, I don't I don't particularly um the Cambridge Analytica thing didn't particularly worry me. No. Um the data breaches that come out don't particularly worry me. Um yeah, I, I get why people need to be concerned because you can get people who can scam, put the pieces together yeah. and it, it, it's the financial thing. As long as you're, you know, as long as my financial bank account's not hacked, yeah. I'm pretty okay. I mean, you know, I haven't touched wood. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. You haven't been hacked yeah. on other medium. Now I know what's exactly going to happen in five minutes from now. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's more people need to be educated. They, yeah. they, need, they need to be educated, and you don't see that necessarily so much in the press. It's, it's so quick to write an article in, inflaming our sensibilities, but not to say, here's what you're sharing when you sign into X, Y, or Z. Okay, I'll give you an example. Right. When we first had Amazon along and people were putting their credit cards online, right, there was the, oh, we're all going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's all going to go wrong, peak tong. We have to have call centres to talk you through it in a nice Geordie accent, so it's very friendly. You know, that was what we did. There's no Geordie accents, call centres, they're all closed down because we're very comfortable now with putting our credit card online. Yeah. The number of mistakes that occur and f- transactions that are erroneous individually i'm not talking there are big examples is it, very small and, and most people get their money back so there's a safety net yeah uh, with the voice transcriptions we're going to talk a lot more about that after the news but with the voice transcriptions you know you can just say to alexa alexa delete my notifications alexa delete my trans- transcriptions and yeah. they're gone yeah right yeah so the control is back with us we do have that control i just worry that we're going to we're just crossing a creepy line that's all it is and yeah then, and that line will continue to shift yeah and when once we get to that the question is what happens next i guess after that what's the next creepy line mm, face recognition deep uh, deep fakes 
deepfakes. All right, well, look, when we come back after the news, we're going to go through why I think Google's going to struggle um, and I think why voice is going to make online advertising a little bit scarier. Anyway, um, we're going over to the news. So, see you after the news. You're listening to Sam Steffi on Marlowe FM. Don't worry, he'll be back after the news. On 97.5 FM and online, this is Marlowe FM Welcome back. Uh, there was a bit of Jerry Rafty. Get it right next time. Uh, that was one of uh, Jamie. Jamie, who's here with me, Jamie Riddle. Uh, that's one of his choice tracks. Why, Jamie? Why that? 
When we had our first business, um, we lived in a, a small cottage in Suffolk, a, a one and a half bedroom thatched cottage. It had uh, two extensions. One was a single brick extension, the study, where we set the business up, and the other was a kitchen, which became the unofficial boardroom. So once we'd got our daughter to bed, we'd often have a glass or bottle of wine, put some music on. Uh, Jerry Rafferty was, was played a lot, and, and, and that one always just resonated. If you get it wrong, you'll get it right next time. Nice. I like that. So, well... Catherine, Catherine, your partner, that's her song as well, I guess. Yes, it, 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 it's, it's our song. You know, much of my life is... is well, my life took a turn when I met Catherine. Uh, not only is she a, a fabulous friend, she's my wife, she's a fabulous business partner. Um, it's all, feeling overwhelmed now. It's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, so, <laughs> no. so you know, I'm, I'm the one on the microphone, but some of these are shared experiences. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got a very similar... I've got Jill, my partner at home, who, who's amazing. I've been worked out 27 years together nice um yeah two children 27 years and a mortgage um but uh, no brilliant so she, i love her dearly um i'm not sure we should say the same about me but let's move on anyway <laughs> um right we were talking a little bit about um privacy a mm. little bit about the challenges that are coming you know um we've seen it because we've been around the industry both of us you know you, you you since 1996 me a little earlier than that yeah um we've just seen the evolution of it and it, every time I guess I've seen so many hysterical hype stories about, oh, the internet's going to do this and this, and nothing really actually happens that much. Yeah, things break and things happen, but that's because we're pushing the boundaries, right? Yeah. And then what technologists do, they go, right, well, how do we fix that bug, that loophole, that that hole? Um, and we were talking about the fact that um, you wrote an article um, yeah. and that um, basically... Amazon's listening. Now, they've got a service that actually they admit they're listening called uh, Alexa Guard, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, you, you leave the home and you say to Alexa, uh, you know, secure the home. I can't remember what the actual command is because it hasn't come over to the UK yet, but when it is, I'll, I'll let you know fully. Um, and, and the whole point by it is it then does sit there and listen. Yeah. And now I've got six Alexas, so seven Alexas actually, because I've got the Echo Show the other day, the new five. Nice little box, by the way. Okay. Um, integrates with Ring. We'll talk about that right, yeah. really nicely. Um, but uh, so, you know, when uh, Alexa Guard comes in, yeah, I'll use that and it'll be great. So I quite like the fact that it's listening. Yeah. And I do know that if I go in the kitchen and have a, a chat with my wife, occasionally it comes up and starts going, I, how can I help you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm not bothered. And if I want to, I can delete any transcripts. Well, you can also hit, you can hit the, mic, the mute button. Yeah. So, you know, it, it works. It's, uh, the reason I wrote the article is because we, we, we've seen this possible uh, concerns come out, and I think it's the state of Illinois has filed a paper that's going to start to outlaw or certainly heavily regulate um, things that are listening. And I, I say the word things loosely because it might be a, a smart system, it might be a smart-enabled plug or a phone or something else. But basically, I thought that was interesting because it was the first time I've seen legislation identify there might be a, a, an issue um, and try and, and, and put some legislation around that. So it's only in one state, but it's a start. Yeah, I mean, I've got enough friends who will swear blind that Facebook listens. So they'll yeah. talk about something and then the next thing they see is an advert for that thing. They'll yeah. swear blind. Yeah. I've, I've never... I, I, I've, I've, I've seen inconclusive studies. I've read a lot about it. I think it's a bigger issue than them listening. I think it's this, this issue that, that these companies are now building cookie-less tracking, which is starting to profile your uh, 
associate your, your, your browser, your access, your speed and umpteen different points of data to, to create a persona that's around you. Um, and it might be that sometimes you're talking about it because you, you inadvertently looked at something else. I appreciate some people say, well, I might have, I might have mentioned a flight to Thailand, but I've never Googled a flight to Thailand, um, which may be the case. But equally, as we've already highlighted, some people can't remember what they've agreed to or not agreed to. Um, and some people don't realise. When we had the ad agency, we used to run quali- qualitative and quantitative surveys on, on marketing. And one of the questions was, how did, you know, after you purchased, how did you find out about it? Did you see it on a search engine? And the qualitative answer was no, didn't. Quantitative answer, based on your clicks, was yes, you did. People just don't realise. So, are they listening to us? Maybe. Is it a massive concern? Maybe not. I think there's a bigger concern about this overall profiling that companies are doing. We've seen attempts to to to, to put cookie legislation in place, but I think you'll find that uh, we've gone long beyond uh, cookies in terms of, of tracking and identifying people. Have you bought anything you never thought you wanted to buy? What, in life? <laughs> Based on seeing an ad, I guess. Uh, Have you voted another way because you saw an advert? Have you changed your mind because... Yes, I would have done, absolutely. You think so? Yeah, totally. So you, totally. So you were Tory but you voted Labour last? No, we're not doing politics. Well, I'm just curious. I'm not, I'm not saying you're one or the other. I'm just yeah. saying from one spectrum to the other, I just don't quite see... I mean, are, are there that many gullible people in the world who who fundamentally just swing politically or or just see a, a shiny object in front and go, I must have it? Are we in that... Are we not Yeah, I go, on to, I go on to Amazon every day and go, ooh... Yeah, I do, and I put it on a wish list, but I don't buy it. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, drunk purchase. Yeah, okay, maybe. I, I bought, I bought, I bought an e, uh, uh, a Rolling Stones t-shirt on eBay. I, I bought, I went to a Rolling Stones concert in 1990, one of my first concerts. Bought a t-shirt, loved it, wore it to death. I was googling it the other night after a glass of wine and managed to find one on eBay. So yes, I'm now the proud recipient of a of a. Of a Rolling Stones t-shirt. So, yes, I, I have bought stuff because of advertising. Right. Yeah, totally. I've bought my car because of advertising. Okay. I'm. So, there was a famous survey, which was a, a guy from Hampstead was asked to come all the way into Piccadilly. Mm-hmm. And he was asked to go, just, they didn't tell him why, just to come in. And then they got him into Piccadilly and they said, right, could you recall the ads you saw on the way in? And they had already measured the route and seen the ads. There was over a thousand ads the guy had seen. Yeah. Could only recall one. Then that's, that's noise and standout. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. So, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not negative to advertising. I think advertising has its place. I mean, yeah. otherwise we'd have brown paper bags in yeah. supermarkets, right? Yeah. Branding works and advertising does work. Otherwise, people wouldn't keep doing it, I think, uh, and the market wouldn't be so big. But I do worry that we, we, we sometimes over-ventilate on certain technologies. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of column inches... Uh, and, and everything else is focused on the wrong thing. Um, I watched uh, uh, a while ago as, as a famous person who has an audience started to rant about some, some tracking on, on Snapchat and said, my daughter's just shown me this and it's a Snapchat map and they are tracking you. They weren't. This was not a technical breakdown of what it happened, but this person had an audience. The, the comments were full of people saying, oh my God, you know, get, yeah. get the pitchforks out, let's go after this company. It's... There's a whole bunch of things wrapped up into that. There's, there's the, the need for column inches. There's a need to be upset on a regular basis um, and, and a too much skipping of, of the actual facts. 
Um, but I appreciate not everyone is, is as techy as, as we are necessarily, but we are in a, an issue where, you know, sometimes my daughter will come in and say, have you seen this story? And I have to say, yes, I have seen that story. And yeah, a part of it's true, but equally, let's just dial it down a bit because actually the real answers are either worse or the facts aren't what are being portrayed in that article. Yeah, and we, we, I think we said earlier, you know, Gmail doesn't read your emails. Yeah. It's a machine that looks for keywords and links it to your calendar because you want it to. Yeah. You don't want it to, just unlink it or don't use Gmail. Yeah, pay, pay for a service. Yeah, exactly. One of, the, one of the reasons that Facebook grew uh, in the early days, I believe, is, is that it launched almost in, in, in the recession and it became free entertainment, you know, you could do that quiz, that was entertainment, and then video came along, you can watch a video. You know, 20 years ago, we'd have watched You Been Framed on ITV. Now you can just watch it on Facebook. It's free entertainment. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to hand over information knowingly or unknowingly, um, which is actually being used uh, now in some, some views against you. Okay. Now, I keep talking about the potential decline. I won't say death, but the, the potential decline of Google. Now, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm not a great Google fan. Yeah. Uh, it, it builds great products, and I love some of them, right? Yeah. Um, and then they kill them. Yeah. My, my fabled RSS reader was the one that yeah. really broke the camel's back for me. Um, and that's why I don't have a Google Home. But one of the things, we, we both have an Alexa. One of the things I suddenly had a, um, a premonition on, or... Maybe that's the wrong word. I just a, a realization is more likely rather than a premise. <laughs> Let's have that. It's less grammar. Have you got tonight's last three numbers? Yes, exactly. No, I'll ask Alexa. Um, the, the the first time that I asked uh, Alexa for music was my uh, oh my god moment. This is such a, an amazing piece of tech. It was more like my first time I saw a three iPhone three. Uh, it was just a game changer. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but what really dawned on me was when I started asking for, and it's a feature they've only enabled recently as well, but um, I asked it for the telephone number for the local restaurant, and then it gave me that. Or I did a, a, an open, ambiguous question. I said, you know, just uh, tell me what the local Chinese restaurant is, right? And it came back with a single answer, a definitive one answer. Now, Google, if I'd done that same search, three ads, ten ads down the side, mm -hmm. ten results. How is Google going to compete when we move to a voice-only world? Well, it won't be voice-only because we never have. We've still got the facts around. So, you know, we haven't... Technologies don't die. They just get smaller. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, you know, when you're in your car um, with no, the Alexa car, I've got a, a Rove in my car, for example, um, I can just say, you know, tell me the nearest petrol station. I get one answer. I don't get ten answers, and I don't get an advert in between them either. Yeah. How's Google going to survive this? Well, I, I think... I remember this from, from one of your earlier conversations and thinking, if I use the Amazon answer, because it's easier in my mind, but Google's the same, is, is ultimately we might move to a voice-first life, but it's not. we're not going to get rid of screens we still watch YouTube or videos or anything else. So it goes back to that same thing, is it might be that you ask Amazon for that local Indian restaurant and you get that result. Thank you very much. But equally, when you go to sit down and watch Game of Thrones on your Kindle Fire, there's a banner ad proposition in there. That might be targeted to what you asked for earlier and it might be saying something along the lines of how about an Uber Eats for a bit of pizza, that type of thing. So it's it's it might be the trade-off in that you're right, it doesn't deliver an ad through voice, 
but it's associated with your account and therefore it's adding to that pool of knowledge and it's going to get you later whether it's on a a, 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 a kindle fire ad or a book recommendation when you go to shop this is i think is possibly a bigger longer game than than simple back and forth can i advertise on that channel but then i'm quite happy it knowing more about me so i get actually ads that i want rather than the you're over 50 here's a viagra ad. yeah yeah um i get ads that are actually so this is where i sort of struggle with the privacy thing where people go you know gdpr you've got to reduce it you know bird songs mm. you talked about earlier um i want more of it i want them to know more about me so that I actually get relevant ads based on what i want to see and then i might actually buy more based on the ad and the ad company is actually getting a better return because they're going actually that's exactly what sam wanted at the right time location context whatever yeah. and then i don't get retargeted with the same rubbishy ad as well so oh. they know that i've actually purchased it that to me is good advertising not not the rubbish that i get which i get enough on my doorstep from the yeah you know 50 catalogs that come through from the postman straight to the bin yeah totally I think possibly what's required is a, is a revisiting of the word privacy. So okay, we, we, we've talked a lot about privacy, but actually I couldn't tell you what the definition is in this modern day and age. And it might be that the, the privacy, for, privacy for me still is... Um, when, when do I get upset? I get upset if someone calls me and set, knows my name and then tries to sell me some dodgy financial services. That's when I start to think, how do you know my name? Now, that's a selfish thing, but it's the same as if someone comes and knocks on my door and says, I've seen you did this online, now do you want something? That, to me, is my physical privacy. And anything that's going to... Because you didn't give permission. Because I didn't give permission. I wasn't expecting or answering, uh, asking for this. Right. But if you gave permission, it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, if I said, if you want to come to my house and sell me something, because I'm interested in you selling me something, that's that's different. But right. again, it's, it's it's down to privacy, as we as, as we mentioned. It's also down to to knowing consent. Did, did I knowingly say yes? I want to come and see this. There's a a great video online. I think it's called uh, "Terms and Conditions May Apply," um, and it, it tries to indicate. It tries to show stories where someone has scrolled through the terms and conditions, just said yes, and then someone's come to their house and threatened to lock them up. So someone might say, I'm going to blow this place, which is a line from a film, and then they get a knock on the door from the Fed saying, you're going to blow, blow this place? Um, it is one of those documentaries that is heavily skewed on, on one angle, but it's worth looking at. We have had issues on Twitter where I think someone in an uh, airport in the UK wanted to... to say something like, if this queue doesn't shorten, then I'm going to do something heinous um, and then got a knock on the door so yeah it's but that's a balance is that privacy is that national interest I don't know it's it's we band around a lot of words that we don't necessarily know the definition of yeah I mean, they're words that we we uh, we apply to our own personal um, sentiment yeah so um, I'm happy to sell my attention but not my privacy yeah um, that's a fine line that's a fine line. Yeah. My attention is contains a lot of my privacy, fundamentally. Yeah. You know, what I looked at, what I read, what I ate, what I did, and that profiles me, and then, you know, um, 
Anyway, we, we will never get the answer because it's a moving target. Yes. Um, okay, we're going to have one more track before uh, we, we wrap up awesome. on a, and a topic I really do want to cover off for you. Um, Amazon Air. Awesome. Which, okay. um, um, what's this track? This is one is uh, Panic at the Disco. Um, so, I've took my daughter to school most days. Uh, Catherine usually picked her up. So it was an opportunity to play music. It was a good half an hour drive. Um, and as the years progressed, uh, she had enough of me playing Pink Floyd and Genesis and started to play her own music. Um, we used to fight over a Spotify account until she got her own. Um, and uh, the rule that uh, she pushed back to me, which is when I started, was you don't have to like it, you've just got to listen to it. So this is Panic at the Disco. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> Panic the Disco, I took it to see the, 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 the concert the first time, I stood at the back with the, with the dads, second time I thought this was quite good, I stood near near the middle with the dads, I saw them in Cardiff two months ago, I was there standing next to Ella, enjoying the concert, so if they tour every three years, don't know where we'll be when we see them again. Alright, we're going to hear the rest of this one. I mean, technically, our marriage is saved. Panic at the Disco, I write sins, not tragedies. That's nice, I like that. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a wacky band. Um, Brendan Urey writes, writes some great stuff. He's just done a song with uh, Taylor Swift, but I love his titles, I write sins, not tragedies. They're all just they're colourful titles. And that's yours and Ella's song, I guess. Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I have a few of those songs with my children, but it's not about me today, it's about you. 
Um, right. Uh, last topic I really wanted to cover off with you today. Um, y- you were talking to me about Amazon Web Services yeah. and Amazon Air. They they recently bought um, a whole load of airplanes. Um, I think they licensed 17 more mm-hmm. airplanes for Amazon Air, and they've opened up the uh, Alaska to China route as well as yeah. one of their new things. Yeah. Got, oh, and the other one they did was, I think it's in Houston, they've opened up a new depot, a massive yeah, big have, hub yeah. depot. So. I mean, what are they doing? What are, what's, what's going on here? Well, let's, let's start with a quick pop quiz. What do you think is bigger, the cloud business or the uh, delivery business? Dum, dum, dum. I know the answer because you told me. <laughs> um, right. Uh, strangely, uh, the air freight business. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's worth trillions to the billions of the worst of the cloud. But yeah. uh, I, I think this is... Well, I think you even said one thing that was even more interesting was the fact that... Um, UPS, which have now stopped working with Amazon, um, is basically declining. Um, Donald Trump, in his wisdom, just told them to start charging Amazon more. Yeah, that well-known businessman, Mr. Trump, bankrupt 13 times, Mr. Trump. Um, FedEx, uh, UPS have reduced their market share and Amazon's growing it. Um, So, yeah. It looks like that's their next big business. I, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's it's almost the one that doesn't get so much uh, major public attention. Um, is uh, is building the infrastructure? Yeah, so it's one point five trillion compared to two hundred and fourteen billion. It's for it, its web services. Crazy, um, and I think that's very interesting because Amazon Logistics is is working at both ends. Uh, when the postal service in this country became deregulated, everyone said, yeah, but the hardest thing is that last mile, that last step to your door. Now we get these white vans just rocking up uh, Monday to Sunday um, and people handing over stuff. Um, So they've covered the last mile part, but also they're doing the first mile. So the depot to the delivery. I get interested when they start leasing planes, when they start leasing hubs, when they start leasing ships. They're going to get to the point that our dear friends China, they're going to start getting stuff from China to your door all through Amazon. So we talked earlier about Amazon owning the router, so they own your digital path from, from, from the start to, to the ad, um, but they also own your physical path. And I think I, would, I expect to see much more developments happening there, and, and maybe if Amazon does get broken up, then they've got umpteen different plays from, from the cloud business to the ad business to the shopping business to the infrastructure business that are going to make a difference. Well, I, I see one of the things I think Bezos is most clever at is he never takes market share, massive market share. Yeah. He always leaves a competitor in the market, Walmart to Amazon.com, AWS has Azure and Google. So there's no real way that the DOJ, the American Department of yeah. Justice, can go, you're a dominating player in this space because they never get there. We just said UPS, FedEx yeah. have market share. So he'll get to a certain size. He'll just own enough of the market to, com- to meet his business demand. Yeah. But he will not go for the 100% kill. Yeah. You know, they took the pharmacy industry. In fact, there's a great report out. Uh, all the businesses you never knew were owned by Amazon. So it says... Amazon owns an estimated 38% of the US e-commerce market. So, you know, nice enough, low enough just to keep out of radar. Um, You know, it dominates 67% of online books, music and video, 46% of online computer electronics sales, 45% of online toy market. But it's never, ever 80 or 90. I mean, Google's at the 80, 90 in the market share. Um, But this is what was interesting. It was all these businesses. So Zappos, we know Zappos, 206 Collective. 28 Palms. So, uh, Toe Six Collectives is a leather-based men's and women's shoe brand. 
28 Palms is Amazon's men's floral print buttons and polo shirts. Uh, but I can go on. I won't read them all. Body Labs, Cable Put, put the list on the, on the Facebook page. Yeah, I will. I mean, it's crazy. There, There is like 60 or 70 companies. I'm just running down the list. Seven Goals, Peak Velocity, Core 10. You know, they all have a stake in this or, or a significant yeah. stake. And I... No one's ever talked about this. this. is an amazing list. I mean, sorry, I'm just going on to page seven, page eight. They've got education, electronics. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. There was an interesting article that came out uh, late last year, early this year, which was uh, a theory that uh, Shopify may get bought by Walmart. The reason being, the Walmart's already got its payment process, but... Thank you, Sam. That was amazing.